Let me describe the scene. There's a piano. There's a big cast iron safe. Let me describe the scene. There's a piano. There are books. There are VHS tapes. There are a couple of old computer screens and a printer. Oh, and a couple of computers to go with the old computer screens and the printer. There are numerous desk lamps, an old TV aerial, some magazines, a box of transformers of one sort or another, which I have to say <laughs> uh, was a lucky thing, given the batteries were going flat on my little recorder here. And thankfully, the Zoom, whatever this is, what's this, a Zoom F4, will take almost any power supply you like. Uh, and I managed to find one and get it plugged in so that I could record this podcast. This room really is our family's room of requirements. I'm in my mum's study. I'm in North Wales. I'm Paul. And this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. <laughs> You've got to laugh. Uh, I'm sitting here. It's the warmest and sort of, in terms of sound, the most dull sound in the house. It's a lovely room for recording in. It doesn't have many reflective surfaces, but should I have the need of a couple of paperweights, some pebbles, I could even see one of my business cards from 15 years ago sitting here along with greetings cards from this year and family pictures from my grandfather, my dad and all of us kids and the grandkids all around the place. It's a lovely, lovely place to be. It's certainly a lovely place to record a podcast. Uh, before I get into it, I wanted to say a huge and heartfelt thank you. Thank, thank you to everybody who has emailed us, called us, dropped us a line, left us some feedback, collared me at a show or a conference and helped encourage us with this podcast. Uh, an awful lot of time, effort and thought does go into every episode, but I have to laugh because I know the minute I pick up the microphone, that all goes out the window and I talk about what the hell I like <laughs> anyway. It feels a bit random sometimes and I'm sure this one is absolutely no different. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that you knew how appreciated it is when one of you, or quite a lot of you actually over the festive period, emailed in just to say hi and say thanks for the podcast. Uh, and had an email even this morning uh, just from someone who'd spotted us for the first time was enjoying listening about various bits and pieces. I think there was studio lighting was the one that came through this morning uh, and it just made me smile. So thank you to one and all. It's hugely appreciated and I just kind of wanted you to know that. Uh, so happy new year to everyone. A happy new 2022 or is this 2020 version three? Uh, it feels like uh, let's hope this isn't just going to be a little bit uh, Groundhog Day because frankly running a small business in this pandemic is no mean feat. And if you think that it's easy for all of us, it really isn't. I think we're all feeling the discomfort of it, the unpredictability of it, trying to run a small business through uh, these kinds of uh, outbreaks um, and the restrictions that come alongside them is really tricky. I can only, I mean, I, I say all of this, but of course the reality is if you're working in any one of the health services or in education, well, my heart goes out to you because uh, I can whinge about our little problems, but compared to the challenges and the supreme effort each and every one of you has done, blimey, 
um, you really do have my admiration. Our little business will survive. Already things are looking busy for the year ahead. But let's just hope we don't have to dance too much of that dance. Uh, how was your Christmas? I hope it was good. Um, ours was a West Country one. Christmas was absolutely lovely. I loved every single second of it. It's down in the West Country with Sarah's family. Uh, it's our kids and us, uh, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, mother and father-in-law. And we had an absolute blast. We drank too much. We ate too much. We laughed too much. <laughs> Actually, can you laugh too much? I don't know. Maybe you can't laugh too much. We ate too much and we drank too much. That's, uh, that much is certainly true. As I looked at a picture that Sarah took of me today, I appear to have put on a pound or two that's going to have to come off again. <laughs> it seemed to go on really easily. I'm guessing it's going to come off a lot less uh, a lot less quickly and with a lot more effort. Uh, however, I did. Uh, I had an appointment with several bottles of sherry and I stuck to it monthly. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, on the day we were meant to come up to North Wales, which is where I'm sitting right now, uh, we were meant to come up here just after Christmas and for New Year. I had a phone call that said my brother, my nephews, my brother-in-law and my mum had all gone down with COVID. Thankfully, they were poorly, but nothing too serious. Uh, which is a relief, of course, because we were a couple of hundred miles away at the time. But it did, meant the, or it did mean that we had to deflect and not come up to North Wales for the rest of the uh, holidays, but head home and spend the remainder of New Year there, which was a delight. It was beautiful. The four of us are always, when I'm together with my missus, with Sarah uh, and with Jake and Harriet, the two kids, it is just the happiest place to be. So there was that, and our, uh, some friends came over from the road over the road for uh, New Year's dinner, and that was equally amazing. So it wasn't that it was a write-off, but it wasn't quite what we intended. Roll the clock forward to last weekend when we were due to get everyone together to celebrate my brother's 50th. My mum fell down some stairs at a station about to get on the train to head to London, and that was that. She spent a few nights in hospital with uh, a double break on her clavicle, uh, her collarbone, um, and here we are, North Wales now. Uh, my sister was up yesterday. We're up these couple of days as we gradually get mum sorted so that she's all right um, and could do everything she needs to do. And then we're going to drag her down to London for a good old knees up to celebrate my brother reaching half a century. So not quite the beginning to the year that I'd hoped for, uh, at least not in terms of the family. However, being up in North Wales is always such a pleasure. If you ever get a chance, come and visit this bit of the country. It is... I, uh, it, it surprises me how surprised I am every single time I come in. Does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? I've no idea. But I stood on a mountaintop. I stood on Mole Arthur today, which is a hill I've never actually climbed, though I've done many of the hills in the region. I stood on the top of Mole Arthur and looked down at the valley in which it is nestled the town and the school that I went to. I grew up here. And yet it still takes the breath out of me. The sun was raking almost horizontal across the hills. There was little patches of mist just drifting in between some of the valleys. It was glorious. It was stunning. It was like the best of the best of the postcards that you'll see from around the world. And there's my secondary school nestling in the bottom of it. I never even bothered to notice. Every time I come here, I'm surprised how surprised I am. It is just gorgeous. And it was Mole Arthur today, and then we go up to Mole eventually tomorrow, uh, just before we head back home. We're really going to make the best of it. However, the dog did nearly kill me, that damn dog. Um, they're walking down a very slippy slope today, and I had the dog in a lead because I wasn't certain if there were sheep around or not. <laughs> I suppose there's the obvious joke that being in Wales, 
I should have known there were sheep. Uh, but my instinct said, don't let the dog off for a minute. And I could hear in the gorse, I could hear munching, which had the distinct possibility of being a sheep. Sure enough, as we sort of rounded an edge, there was a very large sheep. Uh, luckily, I had the dog on a lead. It was all safe, except for the fact we were heading down a steep and muddy slope. The sheep ran, and after that, there was no holding the dog. Or at least there was a lot of holding the dog, uh, but he fetched me down a hill, flat on my ass in the mud. Now, of course, I was there with Sarah, so uh, I had plenty of sympathy and lots of, you know, appreciative noises of how I'd done well to hold on. To no, I had none of that. What I got was hysterical laughter and a lot of photographs being taken of me slumped in the mud. So there you go. That's the kind of family support I w live and work in. It was very funny, but the place was stunning uh, in spite of me now being completely caked uh, in North Walian mud. I will put some photos up into the notes, but be aware that they really only work on our website on masteringportraitphotography.com. Uh, iTunes and the other websites, when this gets relayed out on the various feeds, they, as far as I'm aware, they always strip out uh, any images. So if, you, if you're curious and want to have a look, head across to masteringportraitphotography.com uh, where I will throw a couple of, uh, of images of the region, uh, of the hillsides and views and valleys that I was so enthralled with today. Uh, business update, of course. This is really not meant to be a personal uh, podcast, but well, you know, <laughs> here I am. Uh, business update. Well, things are running already at full capacity. We're already turning work. Uh, we're not turning it away. We're just scheduling it further out into uh, the year, which is good, but it has its challenges, of course. We have already had to shorten one planned break in the diary from uh, three weeks where we're off to do a whole load of things down to one week, which I'm holding on to for all I'm worth. But the dates come in, and that's like I said, with all small businesses, particularly at a time like this, it's not that uh, we are going to turn too much away, certainly not the big iconic uh, gigs. Um, I've written three different articles in the past couple of weeks. So please do pop out and buy N-Photo magazine, which is the unofficial Nikon magazine, uh, and Professional Photo magazine, which is very different but equally as interesting. So I'm writing for both of those guys. Please do go and support them and indirectly support us. Uh, starting to properly plan out what we're doing with the consulting side of the business. Very much looking forward to that. That was the topic of conversation today on the hillside just before I got dragged down by a cocker spaniel. Uh, is what we're going to do with that and how we can approach it. So uh, if anyone's curious and um, think you might need a hand, then why not drop us an email? We haven't got things set up just yet. Uh, but we are certainly well on the way, bringing together everything we've learned in the past 20 years of running a photography business, but also in the years prior to that, when I worked as a business management consultant, as an IT consultant, as a project manager, and Sarah worked in marketing. Uh, so we have quite a lot of stuff that uh, we think we might be able to help with if you fancy it. Uh, so do drop us a line. Uh, on top of that, I have taken on those, if we weren't already busy, uh, I've taken on the, the role of Chair of Qualifications for the British Institute of Professional Photographers. How cool is that? Uh, I've always, well, you know this, right? You're all regular listeners. You know what I feel about quals. You know what I feel about competitions and awards you know what I feel about mentoring these are intrinsic to the success of the industry and to each of us as photographers not everyone's cup of tea I'm not worried about that not everybody wants a mentor not everybody thinks the qualifications are worth the effort and not everybody 
thinks that winning awards mean jack. And you're perfectly right and you're perfectly valid in your opinion. It's just that I think they have a lot to offer. And if, you, if they're used in the right way, they can be incredibly powerful, incredibly constructive, really, really useful tools for developing your skills and helping you market and celebrate your business to your clients. So it's a proper thrill that I was asked and have accepted, uh, certainly for the next year or so. Uh, the role of Chair of Quals for the British Institute of Professional Photographers. Uh, more on that probably in dedicated articles and maybe a podcast or two as we go forward. Uh, but more more than anything else, it's about bringing together the very best of judging, the very best of the process, the very best of the organisational side so that the awards and the qualifications uh, are truly the gold standard. Looking forward to that. Uh, I'm also judging for the Federation of European Photographers. I did this last year, doing it again this year. Again, what a thrill. I get to see some of the best photographers across the whole of Europe, along with a couple of other judges from the UK and then uh, a whole team of judges across Europe. Ideally, we'd have all been getting together in some European city for a big old knees up, but, well, COVID restrictions, government guidelines, borders closed, oh, you name it. So uh, once again, we're going to be doing that remotely, which is not nearly as exciting as it could be, uh, but it's still something that I enjoy more than you can imagine. Uh, what did I say? Imagine more than you can imagine. Imagine. You know what you imagine? Imagine. Did I say that word right? More than you can imagine. There you go. I've no idea. Um, there's a name for it when you, a word stops being a word and starts being a sound, and I can't remember what that is. But anyway, uh, above all else, the bookings for the business are coming in at a pace, which is obviously lovely. Uh, we are going to have to just be careful not to burn out, I think, this year. Uh, the past couple of years, because we were shut for so much of it and then we had to sort of generate, I guess, you know, we were shut for, what, four, five, six months, something like that. We still had to generate a year's worth of revenue in the time that was left. Uh, I think that took it out of me a little bit. And when I got to Christmas, I mean, even this week, really, it's just, I'm just beginning to feel my normal self once more. Uh, <laughs> maybe what I needed was to be thrown or dragged down a hillside by my stupid dog. Uh, maybe that's what I needed to properly wake me up a bit. But um, it certainly was, it was a big year last year. Uh, and it obviously we ran, uh, crashed, I think. We crashed into Christmas uh, with all of the stresses and strains that go with running a business, uh, just as things are. Uh, as an aside, uh, this was one, um, Ian Brosher. Thank you, Ian, if you're listening. I bought a Loop Deck CT. I did that about a month before Christmas because uh, I was struggling to get through everything, and uh, we've put in a new Mac, so the fastest Mac that I can possibly put in there. Um, we've replaced disks, we've replaced networks, trying to speed everything up that I can think of. Uh, and one of the things that we wanted to do was to look at whether, when I'm doing the color correction on the images, whether we can speed that up. And actually this thing, it's a Loop Deck CT. It's the one where you can program the, each of the buttons, put a little icon on each one, so it reminds you what you've programmed it to do. Uh, so it, where it's really valuable is when I'm tanking through images in Lightroom doing the colors because now every one of the main settings the exposure the whites uh, the highlights the uh, color balance or the color temperature actually uh, the white balance and the um, darks and shadows are all on different little knobs I've got little preset buttons and then there's the big dial in the middle which actually I use usually for post crop vignette uh, just to darken or lighten the edges of the frame a little bit and all of that's on one 
it's on this little gadget, the Loop Deck CT. Cannot recommend it enough. And just to be clear, I'm recommending that people have a look at these things because I use them. I bought it. I bought it at full price. There's no discount. Um, I didn't even get a show deal. I didn't even get a show deal. Um, I just bought it because I thought it would help, and it has. So I'm giving it a little bit of a shout. And in a podcast, I might do uh, a proper sort of breakdown, <laughs> a proper what is it, a dissection rather than a breakdown. Whenever I say the word breakdown, I always think, oh, God, I'm going to have a breakdown. Uh, but a dissection of all the things, the way you can assign macros to it, the way you can assign actions to it, it is absolutely brilliant. And it has certainly helped our throughput. Um, a mirrorless update. Well, we have to do a mirrorless update in this episode. Why? Because I have got a Z9 sitting in my hands. Well, I haven't because I'm in North Wales. I didn't bring the camera with me. Uh, however, I had, did use it for a shoot over the weekend and used it for a shoot yesterday. I am one of the lucky few. Thanks to being an NPS member, thanks to our supplier getting me one, um, I have got one of the first ones in the country. And let me tell you, it is like nothing else. Now, I don't usually get that excited about cameras. I used to. Certainly I did when I was starting out, but I haven't for a while, and now I am. This thing, firstly, it handles beautifully. Now, I didn't think you could improve the D5 in terms of handling, the Nikon D5. This is better, because it's designed like the D5. It has the shape of the D5, but I have small hands, and this thing is smaller than the D5. Not by much, just by enough. It's still solid. It's still definitely a pro camera. Every curve, every button position, just perfect. Of course, I've disabled pretty much everything on it. First thing I always do and started to put back what I need. Essentially, I use it as a manual camera. Uh, but the focusing side of it is really important to me. The quality settings, the speed, the high speed shooting, those kinds of things. Because when I'm working with hearing dogs, I don't get time to, I can't just pre-frame We'll pre-focus on one spot and get the dog to run through it 25 times. <laughs> there isn't the time in the diary to do that. Uh, as I did yesterday, I put it into auto tracking. I put it into high-speed shooting and I shoot with the dog running towards me. Usually, we'll do three or four runs and I'll get enough. Yesterday, I did it in one run. Now that, what I'm saying is that not only is, obviously, this focusing is state-of-the-art. The animal mode, it locked onto admittedly a light-coloured dog or a, or a tawny dog a brown dog <laughs> admittedly it was a brown dog but it was a brown dog in the rain on a dull day not the biggest challenge the biggest challenges are going to be black labradors hurtling towards me but we'll get there so a brown dog you put it into auto tracking you put it into continuous focus tracking the thing didn't glitch at all i put it into 20 frames a second high speed shooting which i know there are cameras slightly quicker than this but this does it without any frame blackout at all. At all. 20 frames a second, battering away with it locked on the dog's nose. Every frame, every frame was on focus. And I shot it at f4, so a thousandth of a second at f4, which usually you'd expect one or two errors. You know, I'm not trying to, if I'm, if I'm desperate for something to be in focus, I'll shoot at f8, f4 on my 70 to 200. And Seriously, I think this is going to be addictive. You just, I hold the back button in, it locks the focus, I fire when I need to. Ah, oh, just amazing. Now, I know that's not the primary use for me. I don't really shoot dogs that often. Well, I shoot them once a week. Um, but it's really, really important that when I do, 
we get the best possible shots out of them and that I can do it in the fastest possible time. Just amazing. The memory cards, well, okay, they're expensive. Uh, I spent seven, £800 on memory cards in a reader and I've got to buy another two cards yet, which would take it over £1,000 just on memory cards. Mm, that's expensive, but they actually feel proper... They're, they're solid and you can get them in and out really quickly. I was always a little bit worried with the SD cards, they're a little bit fiddly. Uh, obviously, the uh, Z7 II had an SD card and uh, a uh, CF Express Type B card in it as well, but I tended to use the, the SD cards because they're cheap. But of course, they're really small, unreliable, and fiddly. These are not. These are like absolute bricks. They're great. It reminds me of working with Compact Flash again, but without the worry that you're going to miss a line of pin. So, although, yeah, all right, they're expensive. They're worth it. And the door locks. Oh, you know, if you listen to my Z7 stories, I was always banging that door, and it was always opening under my thumb. This one's got a proper positive lock on it. You slide it up to push it open. Everything is just as it should be. Uh, battery life, well, I've done two full shoots on it. Uh, and on each one, I had just about used half a battery. So that's 1,500 shots off half a battery. It looks like, once again, we'll be able to do a wedding where we only really need to change the battery when you get to the maybe the meal and the speeches a little bit later in the day. Uh, the blackout, the no view, I've mentioned it already, but having a viewfinder that doesn't blackout at all is just weird but brilliant now that's let me put that into context for you even on a normal slr when you go into fast shooting mode you, the mirror is still flipping up the shutter is still closing and opening you are still losing sh sight of whatever target you're tracking this well this is just like holding a video camera except that i'm rattling off 20 full frame 50 megapixel raw images per second Really quite something else. Uh, dedicated focus mode button. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Nikon engineers. Uh, I doubt my rant had anything to do with it, given I <laughs> I only started ranting after a couple of months of owning the Z7, and I'm certain that the focus button was already well in hand uh, by the time I started to moan about it. But I'm guessing lots of other people moaned about it too, uh, because now there's a button there. It's easy to change my uh, focusing mode. Uh, the various types start whether I'm focusing single shot, uh, manual or continuous, and then also the mode whether I'm looking for animal faces, human faces, vehicle faces. I'm not a vehicle photographer, so I doubt I'll use that. Uh, and then all the different zones that you can set up. Actually, one of the things I've noticed on this camera is there are more ways to configure it than I will probably ever know. I'm intending to do a breakdown of every menu function on the camera, mostly so that I know what it does because this is a whole new world. Everything about this is configurable. You can configure the configurations. You know, it's really, really, well, complicated. And given I've always liked my camera set up just as a manual camera, <laughs> it's going to take me a minute. Uh, but you really can tune it to how you want. I don't think I'm not, not so keen on just now is the new EVF. Uh, I don't like the colors and the contrast in it very much. It really does look like I'm looking at a video screen. Now, I suspect it's because I haven't yet configured it. I just haven't got there yet. Uh, so while I'll, I'll mutter about it just so that it's on record, I suspect it's one that I'll eventually sort out. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, the focus beep. Well, the focus beep has gone quiet. I've always liked to know when something's in focus. And there's a beautiful, there's a psychology exercise. Uh, I can't, I was, one of these days I'll put a link up to it, but it's the exercise 
of the basketball players where you have to count the number of bounces the basketball players play. And at the end of this video, there's a surprise in store for you. So I won't give the secret away because I will put a link up one of these days. Well, I'm like that. When I'm watching through the viewfinder, I don't notice all of the dials around the edges unless I stop to think about it. What I like is I can hear the beep, beep as soon as it locks on focus. Now, there are obviously markings inside the viewfinder that let you know things go green, but I don't see them. I only see beyond them. I see the subject that I'm focusing on. I tend to black out anything that's in front of me. And the bibbit, because it was coming off my ears and my hands, I tended to be able to hear it. This focus beep now is too quiet. And I was working in a very loud, admittedly a very loud room at an, at an event on Sunday, photographing uh, for, a, for a party um, at a posh venue. And the noise was louder than the beep could deal with. Seriously, I'm going to continue to suggest this. Please, Nikon, could you just make the camera buzz? Just like, I don't know, a PlayStation controller or even an iPhone. Haptics, they're called haptics. Just make the phone go every time it's in focus. I can feel it in my hands. It's a different sense to my eyes, and it would just bring everything together. Uh, another thing, there's two more things that I'm going to mutter about, but seriously, I'm in love with this camera. Uh, the green focusing LED, once again, we have a little green LED on the camera. Okay, I understand that we need that, given that mirrorless cameras use the green uh, frequency to focus, not the red, which means that all of those, all of those speed lights with red lights now don't work. So they've put a little green light on it. Fair enough, I understand that. Except for the fact that if you're using a 70-200 with its lens hood on, the green light can't reach the middle of your frame. <laughs> it just gets it just gets a shadow in the middle. You can see the green hitting the edges of your frame, just not anywhere near the middle. And that's a problem. Particularly as this is a pro camera, I'm using a pro lens, and I'm using it in a pro way. doesn't work. So uh, we're going to need to find an answer to that. Um, and... One thing that, and this isn't unique to Nikon, this is just one of those things. If you're going to ship a transformer with a camera, give it a long cable or give it a removable cable that I can put another cable on. The transformer has got about a two foot, two and a half foot cable, and that's no good to anybody. It's a great transformer, USB C, just not long enough. That's not going anywhere. Oh, come on, guys, that just seems like ridiculous. But, you know, the thing is, I can buy another transformer, even here sitting with my, uh, what have I got, my MacBook Pro. This has got a dedicated USB-C transformer. This will work. I just don't think I should have to. I spent five and a half grand on a camera. Well, six and a half, include the memory cards. I think, I think really we could have a couple of meters of cable or a removable cable. Either would do. Anyway, um, don't don't let that don't take away that I'm moaning about the camera. I'm moaning about tiny little niggly things because this thing, well, I haven't been excited about a camera like this since I picked up the D3, and the D3 is the moment digital went full frame, and that was a proper landmark for me. Well, this time, this is the first time, mirrorless has not only felt like an evolution, it feels like a revolution. I've got the best camera in the world in our studio and I cannot wait uh, to run some proper tests uh, and get some stuff out and I, I'm so convinced I am now so convinced that I've just added the 85mm 1.8 the Z series 85 1.8 uh, to the lenses and I'm going to start offloading all of my Nikon FX kit it's all for eBay ladies and gentlemen uh, because I'm never going to go back uh, well that is except for the Nikon F2 105 DC because well that's rare beautiful there's no lens like it.
you can only buy them secondhand. I might have to replace mine with another secondhand one because I love it. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, to the focus of this podcast. Uh, I know that's a long rambling. Please let me know if this works. I get nice emails, but I'd love to know if you think it actually works. We chat about life, we chat about the business, and then there's a serious thought somewhere bolted on the end, uh, which is actually what the title of the podcast will no doubt reflect. Uh, but if you, I don't know, maybe, maybe should I split them into two and do a chatty email and then do a businessy email? Maybe I should ch- switch it into chapters. No idea. Let me know. Let me know. Uh, but be nice because I'm thin-skinned and I'm hurt easy. Uh, anyway, here's the th- purpose of this particular podcast. Uh, we had an email today. Uh, what's the date today? It's 12th of January 2022. I had an email today. And the, the last line of it says, and I quote, from beginning to end, we could not have hoped for... M- oh, I bet they didn't do it with a stutter. Let me do that again. From beginning to end, we could not have hoped for more from all of you. You have been at our side throughout and have created some truly memorable images. What a nice ending to a very beautiful email. I've not read the rest of the email because it's a bit more personal from one of our clients. But here's the thing. For this particular job, there was an error. There was an error in a few of the frames. The wrong image had gone in. It's just a normal, everyday, human error. Now, clearly, clearly, it's a little embarrassing when that happens, but it had happened. The wrong image in a big couple of big multi-frames, the wrong image had gone into one of the apertures. Oops. It's clearly a bit embarrassing. Mm, to say it, <laughs> put it mildly, embarrassing. But these things happen. If you run a business by humans, you're always going to have occasional slip-ups. And even if you run businesses by computer, computers are programmed by humans, you're always going to have occasional slip-ups. So we apologised profusely. We scooped the frames back. We replaced the incorrect images while they had lunch. We resealed well, we cleaned, resealed, and repackaged them and handed them back. We could not, we could not have been more apologetic. It was an error. They happen. We could not have admitted it was our fault any quicker. We could not have rectified the error any faster. It was fixed. And you've just heard the email, the final line of the email that we had back from the client. Mistakes are always, always going to happen. It's actually how you fix them that counts. And this, to me at least, is the real measure of a successful business. It's not. And I've said this before on the podcast three or four times, I think, in the hundred or so episodes we've done. It's the real measure of a business. It's not when things go right, but what you do when things go wrong. You need a process. You must have a process. You must have in your head, what are we going to do when something goes wrong. You don't need a banking style, a recovery chart and the planning and contingency and week every, every the first Saturday of every month, you're going to rehearse what happens when the banking systems crash. No, you don't need to do all of that, but you do need to have a mindset that says, how are we going to deal with mistakes? You need a process and it needs to be completely focused on your customer. And that's really, really important because sometimes it's not your doing. Sometimes the error might be a supplier. It might even be the customer themselves. We've had that where the images they've put in 
are not what they thought or wanted, or they've just changed their mind. But the same rules apply. You have to admit the problem, own the problem, fix the problem, and you have to do it all with a smile. <laughs> now, if I was a dodgy prime minister, it might sound like admit it, own it, fix it. That would be what that would be on the front of the pedestal. Admit it, own it, fix it. Uh, funny. I, the thing is, <laughs> I recorded this podcast, or, I li- or at least I wrote out this podcast uh, today at 12th of Jan, and you can go and search for the news on the 12th of Jan, and you'll find that there is a certain political leader somewhere in the country failing miserably to either admit it or own it, or certainly not to fix it. Uh, but it is truly a coincidence. The email I've just read you came in today, and I just sat down and thought, how do I explain how amazing that feels that we've even though we got we made a mistake we got a bit of it wrong even though we did that we still get an email like we did and there is some psychology that says when you fix something and you do the and you fix it well you get a higher sense of customer satisfaction than if you just delivered everything right now i'm not so certain that i subscribe to that uh, mostly because I'd rather everything went out without errors because every time we have an error, there's a cost attached. Now, uh, this is an aside. I didn't write this into my notes, but now I'm thinking about it. When I learned my role in the IT industry, we had little models that told you more or less how much an error would cost depending where you trapped it. So if you found an error in the planning stage, it didn't cost you very much at all. If you found an error in what was called the unit build, which are the small parts of um, software at the time, I suspect everything's got different names now, the cost would be there, but it was still negligible. The, The software hasn't gone anywhere yet. You're still building it. If you spotted the error in system test, now that's at the stage when all of the unit, all of the small parts of code have been brought together, all the little modules have all been brought together and are now being tested as a whole system. If you find an error then, well, that's now getting to be a little bit more expensive because you've probably got a team of 50 people who've all got to just wait while you fix out this one error. If you spot it when it's going into its final acceptance testing, that's getting really expensive now because you've got to go back to the beginning, redo a little bit of the unit build, redo some some of the system test, redo some of the acceptance test, and then you're going to roll it to the client. Now, if you spot the error when it's out facing a customer, Man, that is both expensive and embarrassing. So you have to spot your errors as early as you can. And we have processes in place to make sure that happens. We very rarely get something wrong that gets out to the client. But inevitably, mistakes are going to happen. So now what we're talking about is how do you deal with it? It's good practice, though. It's good practice to admit your error, fix it effortlessly with an apology. And that's far more of a signal of how good a business you're running than anything you can do when things are simply running smooth. Hmm. Maybe I should write that to the Prime Minister. Don't know. Do you think he'd listen? Anyway, anyway, uh, thank you for ploughing all the way to the end of this particular podcast. I'm sorry again if the sound is a little bit off. Uh, I'm sitting here. You have to to picture this. I've got a headset mic on, which is great. Uh, I've then got a pair of headphones over the top because I wanted to check that the sound was at least okay. Uh, and then I've got my glasses wedged in between all of that lot so I can actually read my screen. Um, this is not really how you're meant to do it, if I'm perfectly frank, but I hope it's coming across okay. Uh, thank you for listening to the end. Please do subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. 
please hit the subscribe button. If you've got the stamina to listen all the way to the end of this podcast, well, you're the kind of listener that we would really like. Uh, please subscribe so you get to hear more of me or us or whoever is on my podcast. We'd love you to. Uh, please do leave us a review. I've said right at the very beginning, we love hearing from you. Please email us, give us some feedback, but please do leave us a review. iTunes is the best place for that, but of course, wherever it is that you consume your podcast, that would be great. Um, head over to masteringportraitphotography.com, which is the home, sort of spiritual home of this podcast. It's where it all kind of started, uh, where my wittering started. I think this is episode hundred and. 18 or was it might even be 19 um, I didn't look that up before I started recording uh, we've got a lot on there if you're interested in portrait photography whether it's the art the craft the enjoyment or the business of it well that's the place to go and have a listen please do so uh, and please do let us know what you think and whatever else in this the beginning of 2022 let's hope it's a good one be kind to yourself take care